Oh, when the world is crap and you've got the blues, just take a break from all that horrible news for something crazy, amazingly clever and never half assed. Except when it is. Yes, it's the Randy Rainbow Podcast. This song is almost over, girl, so wipe your tears. You're in for a treat and feast your ears on this. Remarkable feat. Yes, it's a famous celebrity. Finally, Welcome to the Randy Rainbow Podcast. I am your host, Hugh Downs. Hugh Downs was on my mind because we lost Barbara Walters, and I've been watching a lot of old Barbara Walters interviews. Anyway, I'm, I'm joined in studio by my fabulous crew, and again, my darling friend, Paul Pecorino. Yay. Welcome back. Yay. Thank Hi, you for Paul. having me. Welcome back. I'm queer. Get used to it. All right. You're here so much Calm now. Down. I love it. I know. I just moved in. <laughs> it's as much nicer than my apartment. Well, the lighting certainly is much better. <laughs> this is true. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching a lot of Barbara Walters stuff. You know what I was watching? A lot of her Bette Midler interviews. Because I recently realized I do not know enough of Bette Midler's early career. <gasps> and I feel like a fraud, a sham. You know, I'm um, kind of obsessed with all of that. And I love Bette Midler, yeah, but it, it just dawns on me. Like, I never saw a lot of those early Stage specials. Oh my God, have me over. I will wa- I'll watch. Well, I didn't. Let's not go that far. I, I, I have. I'm not inviting you to my apartment. But yeah, I need to do. I need to really like catch up on some things. Oh, some fabulous stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Like what? What's the best? I mean, Mother? well, I, I mean, you've seen the Rose, right? Yes, but okay. not enough. I think I've only seen it once. Okay, that's good for a reason. But the, the Barbara Walters is- interviews are right around that time when she's like 34, 35, yeah. and she's just, she's you know, by, by the time she was 30, she already had an Emmy, a Tony, and a Grammy, I mm-hmm. think. Did yeah. she have a Tony? Oh, yes. for her one, was it for the one-woman show? I, yeah. Ah. Crazy. Well, The Divine Miss M, that movie is spectacular, too. Yeah. That's, that's a taped film of one of her live shows. Right. Yeah. Have you seen that one yet? I think I have, but mm-hmm. this is terrible. You know what, Rebecca? We have to have Mark Shaman on. Oh, Because yeah. he... Absolutely. Did he do the arrangements for her? I don't, know, I don't know what he arranged for her uh-huh. and, and when he started with her. But right. they, you know, he, he, he's the one who, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm sure he'll tell me I'm not, whether I am or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one who really gave her the wind beneath my wings. You know, he's, he's the one mm. who gave her a lot of her iconic stuff and... and Wow, yeah, for kind sure. of discovered her if you ask him yeah. and I I'm inclined to believe him. Can you get her can you get the divine Miss Emma on your podcast? <gasps> well, let's start with Mark Shaman okay. and then we'll work our way. <laughs> no well, shade, Mark. That's a big get to get Mark Shaman. Or Barry Barry Manilow. Well, he's on my list. We we're yeah. Yeah, we're friends. Okay, well there you go. I you took you to see up. I took you to see Barry Manilow. And Barry Manilow hugged me. Thank God. <laughs> Oh, moves to the top of Paul's list. <laughs> Last time you were on, Paul, yes. <laughs> um, we were talking about how you get very offended if celebrities don't just crawl on top of you I when do. you meet them. I knew. I you kinda... better get over that. All right, I will. Even I'm not that invested in you. I and I'm your dear expect... friend. Yes, but... <laughs> I'm even, not, I'm, even I'm not Let's that not affectionate. Let's not push our relationship. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway. Yeah, but Barry Manilow was her... He, when they were in, in, when she was bathhouse Betty, you know, when she started in the gay bathhouses, Mm -hmm. he was her piano player. Yeah. And there's some footage of that, you know. There is some footage Mm -hmm. of that. Which is quite, very fascinating. Well, it's 
It's kind of an interesting segue because you know that reminds me when I see those little clips of of her in the gay bars. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of our early days <laughs> when I was Bette Midler. <laughs> yes, and I was your Barry Madeline. And you, well, you, well, I, I, not let's not push it. <laughs> you didn't even play the piano. Uh, well, I, I gave don't know you who the you, job. You gave me the job, but yeah, th- that's where I started. Was in therapy bar and grill. May she rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And you gave me my my job hosting bingo, like I think we've talked about before. And at the same at the time that I was doing Sunday nights, who was. I think Thursday nights. My Thursday night was the Miss fabulous Bianca Del Rio, Rio who's oh. on the podcast today. <gasps> and, and you know, I stalked Miss Bianca Del Rio, like I stalked you to perform at therapy. So you, the, that's who you are. You were the Mark Shaman. I was. There you go. Finally, I knew it. we'd find. I knew mm-hmm. we'd cast you mm-hmm. in some part yes. one of these days. Yeah, and Bianca's show. Well, we'll have to. You have to talk. About we'll it. talk about it. So, but what? What? Just to give us a preview, mm-hmm. like what was the impetus for you to reach out? Bianca was already established by the time. Yeah, she was, but she had never performed at therapy before, and I was a huge fan. I used to go to her show at Barracuda, which I will have to ask her. I think might have been her start was at Barracuda, mm-hmm. but I was. Obsessed with her. I thought she was so talented, insanely funny. Yeah. And I had come up with a concept for a show on Thursday nights that I thought she would be perfect for. So I sort of stalked her and it turned out to be one of our best. One of the, what? (laughs) One of what? (laughs) One of the best selling shows. The second best. Of our week lineup. The second best. (laughs) Including our Sunday night. Thank you. Bingo show. Starring Randy Rainbow. I make no bones about uh, the the success of my Sunday night bingo show. There were sometimes six people in that audience. It was a great show. Well, yes, it was. But Sunday's a very hard pull. Exactly. I should have been given Thursday. (laughs) Thursday, only Bianca Del Rio could handle and a bevy of beauties I had. Son of a bitch. Yes. Well, now I got an axe to grind. For people who know Bianca from... RuPaul's Drag Race. How much earlier was this when you guys were working with her at therapy? Probably right before. Great question. She, I had just given her the job doing the Thursday night show and she had, I I think maybe she had only done a year and then she came up to me and she said, Paul, I just got RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, fantastic. I have to leave. Yeah. But you can't tell anybody. Oh my God. So, true story. Yeah. <gasps> Look at that. Well, well, there's lots to talk about with Bianca. It's going to be a whole reunion. She doesn't even know you're here. So yes. this is a this is your life, Bianca Del Rio moment. I love when we surprise our guests. Yeah. Do you think she'll storm out? Maybe she'll. Maybe Probably. she don't want to see you. I don't know. Huh? This could get interesting. Randy, why are we both wearing black? Because it's a funeral. We look like we're at a Sicilian funeral. Well, it is your birthday coming up this weekend. So. <laughs> it is a funeral, darling. <laughs> we're getting close. Between 40 and death. Yeah. But sweet. Mm, all right. Well, anyway, <laughs> Bianca is waiting in the wings, so let's not keep her any longer. We will be back with the one and only Bianca Del Rio right after this. It's the Randy Rainbow Hi, Randy. This is Nicole. I'm a huge fan. My whole family is. Um, I know you've done some brilliant collaborations before, but if is there somebody that you've been dreaming of collaborating with that you haven't had the opportunity to yet? I'd be curious. Big fan. Bye. Well, you know the answer is always Barbara, but there's lots of biggins that I would love. I mean, Bette Midler, that would be fun. Now, Martin Short and Steve Martin claim to be fans. We've hung out. I had drinks with Marty the other night at a party, but I've not had the chutzpah to uh, 
ask him to collaborate on something. I should, right? You should. He'll probably say no. Oh, I, he would say yes. But that's the thing. See, it's good when I have them on here, and I'm going to do it to um, Bianca when she's with us today. I like to get them in a corner and make them agree to do a, a collaboration with me <laughs> on camera so that, you know. So lots of people, but of course Barbara's always at the top of the list. Who else? Who else should I collab with? What about Adina Menzel? Adina Menzel. My parodies are, of course, often politically bent. <laughs> I don't know. Some of these people are not don't want to go into those uh, territories. Oh, I don't know if Adina's really gets goes there, but maybe we'll see. Adina, are you listening? Randy, your skin always looks glowy and gorgeous. Please tell us all of your skincare secrets. We need to know them now. It's very important. Love you. Take care. Bye. It's very simple. You just have a team of people work for three hours to get the lighting correct in your studio. And then you look fabulous. Actually, I have been really getting into my skincare regimen more than ever. I use a lot of different brands now. I'm very into SkinCeuticals. Anyone? Mm. Listen, here's the thing that I tell people. I moisturized from an early age. That is the secret to everything. You must moisturize. But I always just, you know, threw whatever I had around, whatever Elmer's glue was sitting around I used to use. Now I'm, ve- I'm much more discerning about what I use. You're and no I use- longer bathing in the blood of supermodels. That's right. I bathe in the blood of children. <laughs> um, Sleeping upside down like a bat. I do that too. That but that's just left. for fun. <laughs> but I use serums and, you know, vitamin C. Vitamin C is very important, so you must include that in your routine. I should do a video. I should really lean into my identity as a beauty influencer. Why are you laughing? I'm not, darling, I am here fully to support you. So, yeah, maybe I'll do. Maybe I'll put out a video where I go through my, my skincare regimen. New morning, morning with Nivea. Nivea? Nivea. How dare you? <laughs> Next question. Hi, Randy. This is Marcy. I have a beautiful black cat to go with your beautiful white cat. I'd love for them to get together one day. Anyway, please tell me what your beautiful white cat eats. Is it dry food, wet food? Is it food that you cook for it? Do you have a personal cat chef? I need to know the answer. I, want, I do. I want you to have a cat chef. Yeah. No, I, I, she eats a combination. Uh, this isn't really a funny answer. But she eats a combination of dry and wet. This bitch, this cat of mine, this white privileged bitch... Um, can I say that? She is really much more difficult than my other cat, Mushy. May he rest in peace. She is really, you know, she's like a hot chick and she knows it. And she acts like, you know, she's, she's very, she's a brat and she's pampered. Like her owner. So Mushy used to just eat, you know, his, his dry kibble. This one requires her meals, her, her wet meals in the morning and in the evening, and then she likes to graze on her blue buffalo. So it's the answer is she has blue buffalo kibble that she grazes throughout the day, and she likes her little fancy feast gravy meal in the morning and in the evening. I used to cast it for Randy, for Mushy. And then he died. Back in the day. Mushy was terrified of me when I used to walk into the apartment. That's good. And then he's asked me why I don't have him cat sit this cat. <laughs> He's still vying for a for a position as cat sitter. And every time he tells the story, he's like, that cat hated me. Every time I walked in, he'd run away. It's not true. We used to sing musical theater songs together, actually. Mm-hmm. She occasionally will jump up on a kitchen stool, but she knows she's not supposed to. And I just go, uh, 
and she jumps right down. There are certain things. She's allowed to be on the couch. She's allowed to be on her little chair by my desk, but we don't go in the kitchen. But does she sleep in the bed at night? She you? sleeps, yes. She t- she sprawls out in the bed. <laughs> I'm like in a tiny little corner, and she takes up the whole damn thing with her little eight-pound body. Good for her. Yeah. Women's rights. <laughs> To leave me a message, go to the show notes, click the link, ask me a question, or tell me something fabulous, and we'll talk about it live on the show. Thank you. It's the Randy Rainbow And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, friends. Randy Rainbow here. And if you know me, you know there are few things more important to me than home stereo system and sound quality. Because you deserve a house speaker that is as serious about in-home sound quality as Congressman Kevin McCarthy is about eating ass. And no one tongues the bung of your every house desire better than the all-new McCarthy House Speakers. Inspired by the incredible ability of new Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to roll up his sleeves and service any asshole he faces, McCarthy House Speakers allow you to sit back and kick your feet up over your head, knowing McCarthy's got your back side. It's easily programmable and comes in a variety of colors, ranging from eggshell to milk of magnesia. So it easily blends into any House or conservative congressional body. McCarthy House speakers can be asked to play music, play the news, play the American political system, play outrage over Trump's responsibility on January 6th, or play the booty schlop tongue twist in a Mar-a-Lago banquet hall. So you can bring the House of Representatives down while dancing the butt brine or the clinched cuisine all night long. Even when you're out of the house or simply expelled from it, the new McCarthy House speakers can be accessed and instructed via phone day and night to service any command. And we do mean every command. Pacific Rim Magazine gives the new McCarthy House speakers the Brown Badge of Courage Award for eagerness to please. It's even used by former President Donald Jessica Trump in his personal home when he wants to listen to his brass trumpet played via, you guessed it, McCarthy. So why not let McCarthy toad your wet sprocket? When you want a house speaker that caters to you, do it with class. Because no one puts class to mouth like Kevin McCarthy. It's McCarthy House Speakers. I'm going to vomit. That was really a kick, but enough of that skit. Time to drop all the shit now. So let's cut the shit. I think a fabulous kiki with someone I love would be bad. It's time for a guest. My guest today is a superstar comedian, actor, designer, and powerhouse sensation from season six of RuPaul's Drag Race. She performs in sold-out shows all over the world and will soon be starring alongside Rachel Dratch in Hurricane Bianca, The Roots of All Evil. Please help me give a huge welcome to the fabulous Bianca Del Rio. Hello. Look, I got Paul Pecorino. I just said that. I was like, Paul's here. I said, I don't know if this is an intervention or a gathering of old games. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm continuing my stalking I just of you wanted and your to be career. The, I wanted to be the youngest one on set. That's I, all. We hate him. Oh, fuck off, Queen. Exactly. How <laughs> dare you. Wait, how old, how old are you? Uh, somewhere between, between 40, 40 and, and death. death. Don't you steal my line, oh, Arthur. Please. I've given up. Are you freely uh, uh, open about your age? Oh, I don't give a shit. How People old are can you? Google. People make things I up. I know, me too. I've been everything from 30 to 40 to 62. So I'm <laughs> I'm going to be 48. 
You're gonna be 48? So I, have a, I, always, I always round up. So I'm always like, oh, I'll be 40. Oh, wait, wait, should we even be talking yet? I don't know. We are on. I like to forget oh. all that pomp and circumstance. Oh. I like to jump right oh, in. I don't even I don't even want anyone to know who you are or who we're talking to. <laughs> I just want to talk. We're going in. We are raw dogging. Yes. This is it. This is how I like it. That's yeah. hot. Okay, first of all, uh-huh. I love your shirt. You have worn that clearly for me specifically. Of course I did. Yes. <gasps> yes. Oh my god. Uh there was someone that I had dated for a spell. You and, dated Barbara uh, Streisand? They gave me two lovely gifts. It's it's a it's the Streisand, of course. And I have an anti-mame one as well, but I knew this would be the gayest thing for you. So, yes. Well, for those who- And she's on the back. For those just oh, listening, it is specifically Barbara in the His Love Makes Me Beautiful sequence from the Funny Girl movie where she's the bride, uh-huh. which we quote <laughs> regularly. Can yeah. I tell you something? Tell her the story. I played- Tell me. I played Hawaii with my last date. Uh, no, yeah, it was Hawaii. My, my last date on this tour I just did was Hawaii. And- who was in the audience, who stayed for the VIP meet and greet after, no. raised her hand and said, uh, Randy, I worked with Barbara Streisand on two movies, and who was it? It was one of the Ziegfeld Follies from that scene. Who does, who, what, what is her line, me? Paul? Oh my God, now I'm forgetting. You know when they do, she was the one who had kind of like the funny, like Betty Boop kind of voice. Um, oh, not her. Yes, not her. God bless you. Yes. She's the one who uh, goes, no other bride would dare to dream the could dream. Ever dream. Could ever could dream. dream the April, May. <laughs> yes. 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 She was wait, in my you, audience. You've got, wait, you have got to know this, this, I mean, you must know this fact is that when you, are you a Golden Girls fan? Uh, please. <laughs> yes. Don't, okay, go, okay, don't just offend. Okay, Of course. Just is that you know, Trudy, Truvy, jo- Dorothy's best friend in that episode, is Miss Thing from Funny Girl. Wait a minute. Did you not know that Truvy... Well, I'm, Truvy I'm, I can't uh, place Truvy. Which episode is that? Cave, uh, Truvy is her high school friend that pretends that she dies on the tennis court. <gasps> oh, she's my old friend. I have her that in my head. Is, that is the one, Anne Francis, who plays the one... Tell, tell Ziegfeld, uh, the, 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 the friend that was cut out of the movie. <laughs> she, she's the one who says, um, if you want to stay in the show, go tell him you're sorry. That's Something him. Like yes, that, that is Truby from the Golden Girls. That blew my you mind. Gotta know that. This is the gayest episode of this if podcast. You, I, I I need no more from you. <laughs> Good night, everybody. That's my jaw Truly, <laughs> if you go back and watch, if you watch the Golden Girls episode, it's that freaky moment of when you go. It, it's Anne Francis, and and when you look at her, you go, "Why does she sound familiar? Why does she?" And I googled it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that is her. She's basically cut out of the film, but she is the one that says." You know, if you answer him, he's up there like God. Up above, That's like God. That's her big moment. Oh my God. Anne Francis. Anne Francis, random gay trivia for a thousand. This yep. is why we get along. <laughs> this is because yeah. who else? <laughs> who else can you have these stupid ass fucking conversations with but gays like us? <laughs> I love it. I want to talk about, because, you know, we, we have to settle the score because Paul thinks that he is responsible for both of our careers and we have to set him straight. So it, this is an intervention yeah. of sorts. But before, because okay, now you've got me on a Barbara <laughs> kick, and I'm interested in your, um, sort of your beginnings. Is, was Barbara okay. big for you? Yes! Was it Camille? Fag yeah. didn't love her, of course. But was that yeah. the main, because for me, that was the main, my main religion in life and really kind of informed much of the other stuff that followed. I would say the two that were influential in just uh, being was Barbara and Liza for me. Now, Cher was the glamour and, and the Bob Mackie aspect drag that I was like, ooh, I love that. And also, when I started drag, I was brown and had a big nose, so your illusion was always Cher. 
Uh, so that was kind of that wrap up. But Barbara, I loved everything. I loved the hair. I loved the the the, the makeup. Um, I loved on a clear day because the costumes are exquisite. Because Arnold Scazzi did her day wear, and then of course uh, Cecil Beaton did the period costumes. So those two working together, she just has gorgeousness everywhere you could possibly be. So I wanted to be Barbara just because of that. Wow. Um, and just the vast, uh, the, the vast career, you know? And I grew up with that CD, the 1994 album at Madison Square Garden. That was, was like, Was yes! that, that for me, that was my actual introduction was, was 90s Barbara. That's what I first no. came to know. And then I went backwards. And then, and then my mother said, Funny girl, you're gonna do it, and you're gonna listen to the soundtrack. Yes. And she gave me my marching orders. But it was that nine. It was that 1994 <laughs> MGM. I yeah. don't know why I'm frightened. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, there's also there's like two versions too because there's another disc that is just the highlights that is from California. Uh, I know. Uh, as well. So I grew up with the Madison Square Garden one, which I thoroughly loved, and you know knew all of it backwards and forwards. And then I think it aired on was it might have been HBO at the time was the only thing that was airing it, and it was the big event in the Donna Karen dress. And then I was like, the dress is amazing because it folded in on itself, you know, the black one with the necklace. And what I love is she's such a cunt. It has designed by <laughs> BSDK. She had to throw her initials in Where there, too. Where does it, it say that? It couldn't just be DK. <laughs> it says that in the credits? It says that in the credits. And also, which is shocking, too, <laughs> is Skazi. Skazi, who was this old queen who was a designer who did a lot of her looks early on. So he did, like, you know, her Funny Girl premiere in London and did all of those, you know, kind of um, uh, fur collars and little pillbox hat looks. He did a lot of looks for her, and he also designed the pajamas that she wore for the Academy Awards and won in. That was designed for on a clear day, so it wasn't meant to be worn for that. She just needed something to wear. Again, but mind blown. The, cra- the crazy thing is that white suit, the infamous white suit with the vest, Skazi takes credit for it. And in his book, he gives this scathing story about how she called him and she talked to him and she asked for archival stuff. And then he she got the stuff and then redesigned it with Donna Karen. So he was bitter till the end. He's dead now, but fascinating story. Well, we wish him the best. See, this is interesting because I am not a fashionista. I I have, as you can tell, I'm wearing a grease sweatshirt. And while I always appreciated the, you know, the aesthetic of Barbara Streisand, I never really got into it the way you are giving me details here. I don't know who designed what or all of that, but that's a whole aspect of her. Okay, so what's crazy is that it, it was, you know, she was so different at that time, kind of like Eliza, kind of like a Cher, you yeah. know, just so different looking according to society. And then when she created this look, Arnold Scazzi did a lot of looks that at that time were just this gorgeous 60, you know, everything was white. And then you open the coat, everything's printed yes. uh, It was some beautiful stuff. And he was bitter to the end, as most gays are, and basically claimed he designed everything and that she stole it. And you have that moment where you're like, yeah, I get it. But what would she be without Skazi? I don't know. What would Liza be without Halston? What would Cher be without Bob Mackie? It's like this combo. You yeah. Know? She was funny too. You know, people, oh, people don't, don't kind of, they kind of neglect how funny she was. And, and, and I mean, not really because she was in Funny Girl, but could the comedic timing of Barbara is like uh, something to discuss. Also, just, just think about it. 21. And the star of Funny Girl. Crazy. I know. So, so, so young. Isn't it amazing, too, that she is now 80, still working, still has a voice, still is with it and did not. Like, she's the first, I think, ever to reach that age without kind of any kind of tragic ending or or drug addiction, things of this nature, right? What about Cher? Well, we got Shirley Bassey, too. We We got got Shirley Shirley Bassey Bassey up there, who... 
um, internationally, you know, is still belting out diamonds are forever. That bitch ain't <laughs> giving up. It's, it's just <laughs> remarkable. Uh, but of that grouping, you know, you sit back and think of those people, you know, the Dollies, the Bette Midlers, the Cher, uh, you know, Shirley Bassey. It's like, oh, we're teetering in weird territory. That's you true. Know? You have, well, Bette Midler too. Bette mm-hmm. Midler is mm-hmm. so yeah. with yep. it. And Dolly. So never mind anything yeah. I just said. Cut that part. <laughs> um, listen, <laughs> but talking about funny... Well, well for you start I mean you started really in with design, right? Isn't that how you before you were a performer, no? Yeah, I started uh, uh, in theater, obviously, and then doing costumes was the game. And through it, you know, you're hanging around community theater and they need somebody to fill a part. And I had done a couple of, you know, chorus parts in Gypsy and Greece and that kind of stuff, because I was there. And then they were doing a production of Pageant, which I'm sure you're familiar I with. I was Miss Bible Belt on... in New Jersey, oh. no less. You didn't see that production? Uh, a <laughs> uh, little busy. Okay. I was home listening to Barbara. <laughs> Thank you. I did uh, uh, Miss Industrial Northeast. Well, the first time I did it, what the director decided, because you know how the show works, six contestants cuts down to five finalists. And the one who usually gets eliminated returns as Miss Glamouress. Well, this particular director wanted to do it where the pageant was legit. So the judges could pick who they wanted. So whoever was out was out. So he wanted to have one person play the returning queen. So I played uh, Tawny Jo Johnson uh, for the bit. And so basically it's to cover that costume change and for everybody to come back on stage. So here was a little bit that was maybe starting out two, three minutes. And then I was having such a good time. It ended up being like a 10 minute monologue, much to the dismay of the other contestants. <laughs> um, so I did that in 19, I think it was 96. And then about 2005 again, they did the show. And then I got to play Industrial Northeast and Tawny Joe Johnson permanently. So I always lost. I always got the Girlfriend Award and came back as Tawny Joe. So that was kind of the start of it. And you know how it is. It's, it's you know, where, where we all started in gay bars. You know, somebody from the gay bar came to see me and was like, do you want to do a guest spot? And I said, sure. You know, I'll do anything. I'm not picky. I'm here. Yeah. So I was like, let's do it. You know, and that would kind of snowballed all of it. That brings us to our to our time at Therapy Bar and Grill. May she rest in peace. Yes. Oh. Isn't it sad that therapy, <laughs> yes. I mean, talk about old, that makes me feel the oldest, is that these, all these, of course, COVID had a lot to do with the things like that, but yes. not there anymore. Well, what is your, because you, you know, you take credit for both of us, Paul. Did you, what was your, how, when did you first hear about Bianca? Well, Bianca, am I right in saying your first show in New York was at Barracuda? Was that your first yeah. show? Yes, right. Your first, that you headlined, so to speak. Well, yeah, it was a weird Headline. setup. She was she walked through the kitchen and uh, was playing in the <laughs> urinal. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. Uh, I was there f- uh, right after Katrina, and there was a place called Heaven, oh, which yeah. was near... Splash. Uh, was that near Splash? Uh, near Splash. Yeah. That mm-hmm. They hired me. So they were the first people to hire me for 75 bucks to come in. Every, you know, I love this schedule. Every <laughs> other Thursday of the month, you know, that shit fit, or like the third Sunday of the week, whatever. I was doing some shit gig. And through that, Bob Potterelli, who owned Barracuda and Elmo and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and my boyfriend at the time, he hired the boyfriend at Elmo. And then he offered me Barracuda. I did. I lasted at Barracuda maybe three months because I wasn't a Barracuda girl. Oh, I wow. wasn't the, the, the pretty singing live off key like Shaquita if Peppermint. If a girl and isn't doing. pretty like a Miss Atlantic <laughs> yes. City. Yeah. Yes. Real Miss Nobody. <laughs> So that did not last long, but that was the beginning of it all. Yeah. yeah it was working there. Well, that's when I, and that's when I first That's when discovered. you Well, no, 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 no. Discovered. No, discovered. no, 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 no. I had fell in love with her talent. Yeah. Very well, much. Well, I remember, and I mean. Stopped, and saw what follow you around wherever you performed. 
Yeah. And then I became the general manager of therapy. And that's when I stalked yes. you again and begged you, please. And you did it. And do you, my and Thursday And you did night. Thursdays yeah. for 100 years, right? Yes. Oh, well, we did. Yeah. It was also, I thought that the few places I worked the longest was the Ritz, uh, Vlada, and at therapy. And then, you know, Bob, Pollard, Bob Pontarelli came back sniffing up my ass once Drag Race happened. Because now she's like, oh, honey, we love you. Mm -hmm. Typical. Right. <laughs> uh, but then I went back and did a couple of uh, shows with Bob the Drag Queen and Monet and stuff like that. So that was like my reintroduction to it. That's when everybody started liking me again. Oh, but, nice. you know, to have a job at, in New York and just get to work weekly was always like, thank God, you know, rent it, ain't cheap. So it was lovely to have the Ritz and lovely to have therapy and lovely to have Lotto. Yeah, I had therapy, but they gave me Sunday night. So fuck you, Paul. You got Paul. Sunday night. He, you, got, you had Thursday. I had, <laughs> had Thursday. fucking, I did bingo on Sunday nights. Yeah. That's why. I remember I would come there with you and Bootsy LaFerris. I know. I yeah. through it, honey. I know. <laughs> and that Thursday show was really fun, remember? Because it was sort of, it was kind of very, it was burlesque. We had male performers. Yes. Right. And Bianca would be the host, <laughs> which was sort of, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Martha Ray get her start in burlesque halls? This is doing really comedy. Gay I know. Old this is so gay. Show. I know. What do you want? My birthday's Friday. I'll be 53. <laughs> I swear. That's where I got this concept for this show. I'm telling you. Okay. If I'm wrong, Martha should, Ray. I think it was Martha Ray got her start in the burlesque halls. Pro and I had this right idea. I wanted his great stand up comic. And who better to get than Bianca? Well, let's oh, talk please. about stand up oh, because please. I want to talk about comedy a little bit. There's so much to talk. I didn't realize. I, I There's too much to talk about. This is going to be a three-part episode. <laughs> well, you can do whatever you want. Okay. Talk, talk, talk. Comedy. When, because you yeah. really are at the heart of all of it, you're a stand-up. That's how I see you. Do you think so? Yeah. I Well, I didn't really consider myself um, a stand-up comedian until I got to New York when someone said, what do you do? Because drag kind of puts you in this spectrum of, as I said, the Barracuda Girls, where everybody wanted to be pretty and and sing live, even though they shouldn't, or or <laughs> fill their own fascination with music videos. None of that makes sense to me. Like music videos, they don't make money. They don't make money for some bitch who's struggling. So I never was attracted to that. And also, I don't take myself seriously of going, ooh, you know. Um, but this was also at the time in New York where, you know, everybody was starting out with Photoshopping their photos where they look gorgeous in an ad because to get into HX magazine was a big deal. And then you go see it and you're like, well, what? This is not who I'm looking at. I'm looking at her uncle on stage, <laughs> not the actual bitch in this photo. So, um, at that time I just said, well, this is what I do, which was basically a lot of, um, audience participation. Because if you're out on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which were really the only nights they let you work in New York, um, at 1 a.m., you deserve what you get, which is a nasty bitch, you know? <laughs> and that's kind of how it evolved for me. It started in New Orleans, obviously. But then uh, in New York, I was like, oh, yeah, well, this is what I want to do rather than compete with the masses and try to be this glamour puss, you know? Well, that, and that's where you really started working on your crowd work. I mean, that's what you're famous for is yeah. really, which do you have us? I know you love Joan. I want to talk about Joan a little yeah. bit, but is that, that insult comedy? I mean, I kind of liken it to Rickles, my favorite drag queen, Don Rickles. But is that, that should have been your name. Donna Rickles. <laughs> Donna Rickles. That's a good Wait. Name. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I call Sherry Vine out of drag? I mean, we all know it's Sherry Vine, and I love Sherry Vine. But out of drag, we call her Donna Knotts because she looks like Don Knotts. <laughs> if you really look at her, she looks like Mr. Furley. Oh, that's stop. anyway. Hysterical. I digress. <laughs> Donna. <laughs> Don't book her on this show. Don't yeah, no, come on this show. She's gonna be now. mad now. Um, <laughs> she's gonna kill me. But, but that's sort of—is that where it was sort of the root of your comedy? Was that crowd work? Was the going back and forth? It wasn't necessarily doing a monologue or talking about your day. Yeah, I think what ended up happening was uh, when I first started actually doing it in New Orleans, I was working at a bar. I was forced to do bingo uh, in the <laughs> afternoon at three o'clock to eight p.m. That's a great slot. Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Now, if you live in New Orleans and you're drinking at 3 p.m., <laughs> you've got a problem. And the last thing you want is a man in a fucking wig calling out bingo numbers, interrupting your addiction. So here was this moment where I'm like, I need my money. You need your drink. Let's make magic. You know, and amongst the you're giving away bikes and 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 doing free HIV testing, anything you could imagine happening during happy hour. This was the gig during bingo. So I think that was where the skill set started. People didn't want to be there, but people wanted their liquor. I didn't want to be there, but I needed the money. So somehow we made this compromise and you just kind of become fearless. You know, people in New Orleans do not give a shit like New York. They'll tell you to go fuck off and it could lead to a 20 minute, you know, monologue with people. And that's just how, how it started. And it wasn't intentional. But I found that's where I was most comfortable with, you know. Now I want to talk about Joan Rivers because you got to work with her, yeah. you son of a bitch. And was she was she also yeah. was she one of your main influences early on? Without a doubt. I, I remember being a kid and watching her on Johnny Carson, who was another favorite of mine. I, I loved, loved, loved Johnny Carson. And I loved when she was guest host because I was old enough to watch. Um, and then, as we know, living in New York, you go to events. You go to a Broadway opening or, or any she-she-she party that we get to go into with a free bar. And I've met her a couple <laughs> of times. And I say met her, meaning she was lovely, cordial, always took a photo. So it wasn't like, oh, we're friends, we're hanging out. She was just lovely, lovely, lovely lady anytime. And I thought that's brilliant people skills. Like she she knows where she is. She's standing in a lobby. People are coming around. She's very gracious. She does the deed. I'm like, you know what? Keep that in the back of your mind. Um, and then um, I had done a gay cruise once and met a guy by the name of Tony Tripoli, uh, who was close with her and wrote many jokes for her and the whole Kathy Griffin fiasco madness. And um, I was hosting that week on the cruise ship in Tony. I was introducing each act. And then Tony said, you don't have to introduce me. I have my own introduction. I'm like, whatever, queen. And come to find out it was a Joan Rivers introduction. And he was like, oh, Joan would love you. And I told him I had met her at different little things. Met is not the word. Interacted with right. her, I should say. Um, and that was that. Then Drag Race happened. Uh, we filmed in 2013. 2014, it aired. And then I was out on the road doing every bar gig possible. And I got a call from Tony. He says, Joan's doing this show called In Bed With Joan. Would you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, no question. Um, so I called my manager, and I use that term loosely, at the time <laughs> and said, um, look, uh, they offered me to do this thing, and I really want to do this. And he goes, well, you know, she's not going to pay you. I go, and they're not going to put you up. I go, and, and I'm thinking if this is a person that is representing me and doesn't know how much I love Joe, then you're a fucking idiot. Did you get rid of him right then and there? <laughs> oh, he's gone. But what would happen? That was definitely right after that. That would have been the deciding factor for me. You say that's an interesting and very insightful thing when you're working with managers, someone who doesn't know that about you enough to know that 
airfare yeah. or accommodations when Joan Rivers is involved, that doesn't matter. That's, Correct. That's like, I'm not with the right person over here. And you don't get me or understand. And, and what I was trying to explain to him is that there was no discussion here about yeah. this. Right. I'm letting you know that I'm doing this. You work for me. Right. You, you know, he's pissed because he's not getting a percentage of anything, but this has nothing to do with you. Right. So within it, I had a gig the Sunday randomly. They asked me to shoot on a Sunday and I was booked in Ohio. I had been to Ohio at least four other times. I never cancel. I never back out. But I said, can we reschedule? It wasn't a gay pride. It wasn't anything in particular. It was just a night. And I said, I will make it up. I'll do it for free. Let's do it. So we fought. And then obviously I went to LA and you actually filmed the show in Melissa Rivers house. And it was in the, the basement. Uh, and when I got there, she had just flown in that morning and I was the third one of the day. Uh, I can't remember who the first one was, but the one right before me was Neve from Catfish. Uh, and after me was Leanne Rhymes. So <laughs> this was the setup. So I came in and I was all dolled up from my hotel and I came in my onesie because I had these two other options to wear. And I'm like, well, what should I wear? I don't know. And I asked her and she says, wear the onesie. And I was like, perfect. So we sat in the bed. They said, Bianca, we're going to do, we need 17 minutes of footage. So basically we'll film for a half an hour. And then that's that, you know, we'll have a great time. Wine is being served. I'm like, okay, great. So we walk into the room. She could not have been nicer, could not have been easier, uh, uh, lovely. Um, we were supposed to do 30 minutes. We did an hour and a half of us fucking cackling, talking shit about everybody. And also for someone of her caliber, and this is another thing that I respected about her, is that she is here. She didn't have to give me the time of fucking day. She could have talked over me. She could have. She was a great straight man. She let it set up. And it was those moments when she's laughing at something and my little 10 year old self is going, don't just keep going, keep going, keep going. It's Joan yeah. River. She's laughing. Do not acknowledge it. Yeah. You know, like just keep going. And she was she was truly, truly lovely. Uh, I couldn't have said anything bad about her at yeah. all. Um, but after that, after me was Leanne Rhymes, and she's the one who killed her because she was the final. Editor. Oh, well, now we have <laughs> oh, the, oh, <laughs> that's now you have the story. Now we have a headline. Have story. Thank you. Good yeah. night, everybody. That's the <laughs> back to you in the studio, Don. But that was um, a great episode though. That was a great, and I can tell how much great. you respected you too. You guys were really, your repartee back and forth. Was, and how you got her right. And you, you joke that, I mean, she died shortly thereafter, really. Right. It was like yeah. nine minutes after you left. We filmed, I, it is suspicious. Yeah, minutes. Uh, we filmed. <laughs> We filmed uh, that summer. I, I want to say it was around July or so. And didn't she die like in August? I was in Australia by the time she passed away. And I was like, That's so, it's such a crazy thing when people die. You're like, I just saw her. I know. Well, that's how that's it works. That's kind of how death works. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I said that the other day. Someone died. Who? But, but she just tweeted me before. Oh, well, then I guess she's back. <laughs> she's back. Congratulations. And, and you're saying it out loud, knowing Be you're an asshole. Because but that it's like. But she, I, I know. she well, has lettuce in her refrigerator. <laughs> She's dead. She has it's all that. Dead. She went, but she went to Costco and got all that toilet paper. I know. I she just had a COVID test. <laughs> dead. She's that's fucking how it dead. shows you. We don't. We have not really a, 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 kind of acclimated to this death concept yes. as human beings. No, we, we don't get it. No grasp of it. I guess it. it's no grasp to be of it. <laughs> um, but talking about her death, I, the thing I always say with Joan is. 
she died at 81, but it was like a, uh-huh. like a 40-year-old died. It was like a 40-year-old. When yeah. she died, it was like a 40-year-old walked out into the street and got hit by a bus. That's how it felt. Because that yeah. she, it was an accident. That she was in perfect health. And it, it was like, yep. that's the, that was the shock. And she was at the top of her game. She was yeah. f- as funny as ever and sharp as a tack. But yeah. then I also, and then, but I say then, do you think that maybe in some kind of weird, um, dark, twisted way of looking at things, that was maybe God's plan? Because I There's wonder- There's no other way. <laughs> she, but no, well, but she would not- Talking about her comedy in this climate that we're in, and I want to talk about that with you because I'm very interested yeah. in talking to you about that. They would have just murdered her. That was, She would have lost all her jobs. They would have just tortured her, I feel. And I think that it would have been, might have been a sad kind of career ending, I fear, had she hung on. What do you I, think? I disagree. Or, I, would, or would they, they would have let her go and they would have, she would have been untouchable as she should have been. I, let me, I can, and I, and I say this by not comparing on any level because that's ridiculous. But I, what I always fight with people about is, you know, there's, and, and this is not to sound grand, but when someone says, hey, we have this job or we have this bit or we have this thing we'd like for you to do. And I get the information and they say, you're free to ad lib and do whatever you want. So I do it and I do it to my abilities. And then you get that weird moment where everybody's like, I don't know. I don't know. And I go, you can be nervous as fuck, but there is an audience for it. I travel the world and get to do this. Now, if you on a pedestal is some Ryan Murphy or some gay God who doesn't want to venture into these areas, then don't. I'm not the bitch for you. But there is an audience for it. I just finished a tour that was 129 shows in 99 cities, uh, 27 countries. And it's like, somebody's getting it. If you don't want it to be your representation or if you don't think it's right for you, that's fine. But then I'm not your bitch. I don't want to homogenize anything. So I do think that there is an audience for it. But if you're worried about being canceled or if you're worried about this person not liking you, phantom people online, you really are fucked. You're fucked. Because I take the compliments and the insults and the critiques the same. You know, it doesn't really mean anything to me. You know when you've done a bad joke or or the joke doesn't land, I should say. And often in interviews, they go, have you ever had a joke? Many. I've had many jokes that went to hell. But I use the philosophy of this is that, all right, Celine Dion, she's a singer. Great performer, fabulous. Not every album is a hit. Not every song I love. Does that mean she's not a singer? Does that mean I cancel her? No, you just didn't like that. So I think the people that got Joan, and she might have gotten a pass because of being what I would say a true legend. They use the word term too loosely now. Mm. A true legend knew her shit and she wasn't going to back down. She never apologized. And you should not have to apologize if this is what I'm presenting. This is what she wants. This is what she feels. She's the biggest joke there is. And so I respected that on that level. But I think it gets a little tricky with social media and getting into the minds of, are they going to like me? Are they going to get me? I can't worry about that. No. I can't because for every fag that loves me, there's some other bitch going. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah, you know what do well, you do when you say love? I mean, you are the the perfect example. You do insult comedy. There is, the, you know, that's that's a yeah. big part of who you are. I have not seen your. I'm embarrassed to say I've not. I haven't seen your uh, new show that you tour with, but not that embarrassed because you haven't seen yeah. any of my shows. So fuck you. Oh, shit. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
It's fine. We're busy. We're busy career woman. Paul's seen both yeah. of our shows. Paul's yeah. seen everything. I hate both um, of you. But she gets around. <laughs> she got nothing to do. No, I'm kidding. Um, but have you have you really not that's what what you just said that's a very brave approach to it i think that's the uh, that's how you should be i i and i envy because i i these days am a little more fearful than i was yeah um do, have you changed have you uh, adjusted any of your act because you know you go you go to the racial humor you go you go yeah. to very taboo subjects has any of that changed with the times for any reason no, okay. I do know where and when it can be used. Right. Like you just said, my act. You're coming to see me. This is what you're coming to see. I know better than to tweet it. I know better than to try to put it because there's no such thing as context anymore. Context is the issue. Right. Because then they can just rip you apart and say blah, 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 blah. So therefore, if I give out something that's a punchline and or they just take the punchline with no context, therefore, then I'm having to explain myself. I'm not explaining myself, nor I'm not going to explain myself to some 13-year-old cunt on TikTok <laughs> who is mad at me because she thinks Adore Delano should have won 10 years ago. That, to me, is just ridiculous. So in it, with my show, you pay a ticket, you know what you're coming in to see and experience. And that's who I cater to. Those are my peeps. Those are my people that understand it. Whether they're the same people online, I don't know. Um, I don't require those cheerleaders as we do as, as in business. I look at, are we selling? How are we going? How many nights are we doing here? That's my job. And it's not to publicize it online and go, well, the numbers show. No, the numbers are there. You want to come venture in and say, hey, I had Jerry Mitchell, a Broadway um, director who I love and who has included me in Broadway Bears a couple times. Lovely guy. Fabulous. Could not have been sweeter included me in things, but really didn't know anything about me. Some fag on the group said, hey, put Bianca in Broadway Bears because she was just on Drag Race. And this last show, he came to see me and we he came back and he's like, I want to talk to you about writing something because I had no idea that this is what you do. And I go, oh, that's kind of interesting because this is just what I've always done. So it is fascinating when people can get through the fuckery, as you said, get through the drag aspect of it. I'm a comedian who happens to do drag. But you can't necessarily put it online so freely. <laughs> you can't just, and, and most people won't take risks uh, by putting you on. Um, Ali Wong came to see me and is like, girl, the shit you say. I go, yeah, I know. And she's like, I could never. And yeah. I go, I, I hate to hear that for people because to me, that, that, that hurts me. You can say it. It's a joke. It's, it's know. you know, we're all going to die. It's, <laughs> it's not that fucking serious. But, um, it is a tricky, it is a tricky world. I think if I was a little bit younger, I'd be scared, but yeah, thank you. at this point I go, thank you. That's it. why, that's why I'm scared. I'm so much younger. Um, <laughs> well, you uh, look like shit. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the lighting. Bitch. It took us 20 it's minutes. The lighting. I've been trying to work with these people for hours. Um, <laughs> do you, just to finish this up, do you, um, are you careful about video? Cause you can't control pe what people post these days. Do, videos that go out oh. of your act. Are you more cautious um, if, of that? Uh, well, it's annoying. To, it's just annoying when you're sitting in a dark theater and there's someone with a phone. So mm. I address people. So I prefer them not to film just because it's fucking distracting as all get out, you know? Yeah. Um, but obviously things get out there and it is what it is. I, you can't control every... I'm not asking people to put their phones in bags and stuff like that. But even if but you do... you a, are if, looking out at a dark even if, theater and you just see... Right. It's but but so beyond annoying. that, I mean, even if you do like an event where they're filming part of it for the event. Yeah. Will you say this is going to be out of context if you post this part of my act? I don't want to deal with that oh. social media shit. 
Well, I try my hardest, <laughs> try, mm-hmm. uh, my hardest to think if you're at a specific event, if you're at a gay pride, if you're out and about, it can get tricky. But as a performer, sometimes you just get into show mode and you just do your thing. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it's never in the moment. It's usually the aftermath of somebody dissecting it and going, hmm, I see a problem with this because I heard. Whereas in the moment you were like, it wasn't that big of a deal, but it just gets heightened online. And I remember there was a there was a moment, a, a pride and some bullshit and I had gone to a party and there was this queen there who was a blogger uh, who came over and was like, oh, hi, Bianca. I said, bitch, don't talk to me. I said, you don't even fucking <laughs> like me. Don't, why are you in my face? Like, why? Are, and he's like, honey, I said, you just write shit about me every day. I said, I personally don't care. I said, but you don't have to be friendly. He says, girl, don't take it personal. I have to write something every day. And in my mind, I went, oh, this makes sense. So he's as full of shit as everybody else is, you know, <laughs> you start to realize, oh, it's not a uh, a target. I'm not a target. It's just they've got to write some fuckery. Right. And if you notice, one little story then turns into 10 other people repeating the same somewhat information they think they know. Well, that's a very healthy approach to it. I mean, I, I, I it's, <laughs> it's a daily exercise to not internalize this shit and make it personal. I mean, you know, I don't read comments. Well, I don't go in search of anything, but. You know, it's 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 brutal out there, terrible. But 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 again, because why? Because everyone needs fucking content, so they got to talk yes. about someone. So if you put yourself out there, you're going to be oh, without you know, it, yeah. without a doubt, and, and and it's got to be just as frustrating for you is that here you are uh, putting out you know fabulous parodies and videos and this whole thing, and then someone has the nerve to say, so what's next? Oh. What are you doing next? Oh, oh, I've <laughs> yeah. got this idea for you. you is, that do- is that the most annoying? Is that the most annoying thing? Yes. Is that it? Is that the worst thing ever in life? What's next? What's next? Yes. I know. You're standing there on a, on a on a red carpet of some event, and like, so what's next for you to get through tonight, bitch? That's that's <laughs> to get, that's what I'm get doing rid of here. you and get a fucking cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you find that to be the case? And and people think it's helpful. Um. And and I guess the intention is well, but you have to sometimes just, like I said, the compliments and the critiques, you just go, sure, sure. Well, sure, I see, I do sure. this. I have, I like, I will twist like a pretzel, a compliment into uh, something that aggravates me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a mental case. But just that's a perfect example of someone, what's next? Are you going to do this? Or if like, for instance, I don't, oh. I, I won't, I won't be specific because I don't know if this is going to air and when the video is going to be released. But something <laughs> yeah. happened in the news and people are now blowing me up. Well, when are you going to do this? You have to do this specific song for this particular. Thing. Are you going to do yeah. it? Did you do? Why didn't you do it yet? Haven't you? Oh, someone else can do. It. Are you going to? And I'm like, and I'm trying to tell myself, well, it's very nice that they're thinking of me. They want me to do it, and isn't that wonderful? But shut the fuck up. <laughs> but this is not conducive to the creative process. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, let's just say hypothetically, yeah. you already had the idea and, and you do it and then it's, I gave it to her. Ah, yes. uh, it was me. Ah, yes, look, right. look, look, look at the message I sent. I oh, sent yes. the message saying, Randy, do this. And mm. there's that too. Yeah, there's that too. Luckily, you can't win. You can't win. I, I always say this. They're not going to be happy as long as they have a hole in their ass. <laughs> and that's just the bottom line. You just have to go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. <laughs> I've had people. I've had people tell me I saw you at this theater on that date. I'm like, ah, that, no, it wasn't me. No, I saw you. Okay, well, I, I guess I can't argue with you, can I? I was yeah. nowhere near that country, right. but you saw me, so it's easier to go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, these are, are you there? 
Everything's so annoying. These are champagne problems, as they <laughs> say. These problem. are champagne <laughs> problems. And then my fan said, <laughs> as I was getting on, as I was boarding my jet, um, we got to talk about Drag Race or they'll kill me. What do you, what's, oh, okay. of course. Yeah. So what's, what do you make of what's going on? First of all, how does it feel to be like, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the, the founding father? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what do you think the the progress the show has made? What you're you're aren't you you're you're still involved with it now, right? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Um, I I was not a super drag race fan prior to doing the show. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was not like some of the other contestants that I know that are like super involved. There's people like Willem in Alaska that watch every episode. No, Bob the drag queen knows every phrase. I, I was never that person. Um, I was doing a show in New York with Lady Bunny. Michelle Visage came to see me, asked me why I never auditioned. I said, I, at the time, I was 36, 37, 37. And I was like, ah, I'm just too old. You know, I'm not death dropping, doing Beyonce, flipping my wig, moving around in some bad leotard. Um, and so I didn't think it was for me. And she says, you know, I think you'd be great television. Um, and so it was a short period of time that I had to, to audition. And I called my friend Matt Kugelman and I said, let's do this, but we're going to do it the opposite of what drag queens do. We did it secretly. We didn't go online going, I'm doing the video, people, and get everybody to say, you go, girl. <laughs> no, because you're setting yourself up, boo-boo to fool. So I, um, we sent it in. And then I got a call. It was my first audition. I got a call and they said to... Uh, this is it. I had two and a half weeks to get my shit together. And I went and did it, not knowing what to expect. And the best um, response was a friend of mine who said, you're either going to win or you're going to go home first. And you just don't know what the TV dynamic was going to be. You have no control of the edit. You have no information. But I thought this is a good time to do it because I didn't want to do drag beyond 40 at the time, working in the bars. I had already had my run since I was 20. I was like, you know what, 20 years, been fired and hired by everybody. I'm pretty good. Um, and then this happened. And once it did happen, whether or not I was going to win or what what the outcome would be, I knew, take it while it's in front of me, say yes to everything and run, just run with it. And did and, and have no regrets because of it. So uh, the past few years have been on the road, quite a few uh, tours that I've done back to back, because to me, that's just the thing to do. Go to the people. You yeah. know, you know it. it you're yeah. out on the road and and it's um, it's it's not the easiest life. I was going to ask you about because I love it. You know, it's like Elaine Stritch and I've quoted it many times on the show. Like Elaine Stritch oh. said, the prostitute once said, it's not the work, it's the stairs. So yeah, get, it's yeah. a joy to be in a room with people, but it's a horrible existence for me on the road as it is for me. Yes, uh, sleeping, eating, travel, and then you throw in drag. You know, I, I yeah. do the show and then I have, well, I get to the venue early in the day, set up, and then I have to do a meet and greet for 200 people, yeah. uh, take photos with everybody. And then I, they open the house doors, everybody comes in. And the easiest, the most, I guess, uh, carefree time is to do the show because I'm out there by myself and I can do whatever I want. You know, right. um, there's no orchestra. There's no cues. I have no videos because they never work. Um, <laughs> I have no, I can't rely on a bitch to turn on a light. Sometimes the intro comes on. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> um, so I've cut back all that. Yeah, good for you. I, I, that's the model I want to follow. I got bands. I got click track. I got video screens. Fuck this. Oh, it's the worst. It's I'm, the I need worst. to get my stand up back together. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
so so the so the game of it, it it's not easy but the, the travel and getting to go to these places i mean i've kind of been everywhere and it's been wonderful to experience that i mean the good and the bad is always there but you have to just say wow how lucky i could do this or i could be sitting at therapy with paul um yeah. <laughs> in the Aww. basement so the touring the touring schedule is hard and that's been the one thing i wanted to do just continuously and um, this year was the first chance I could now host. There's a show called The Pit Stop, which is basically a recap show. I'm supposed to say Rue Cap Show. Please put the eye roll um, in one of the clips on the internet. We need social media to see branding. the bitchery. It's all about branding. Um, oh, please, she'd eye roll at it too. I but know. We, so basically, you just recap the show, and I finally had the chance to do it. So I'm forced to watch it again after all these years. Um, I have not... <laughs> successfully watched a season since my season at therapy or the Ritz or any of those bars when it was airing nine years ago. So um, I just get to watch it now and give my opinion and then have so many people online tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> that's fun. So that's my, my new reintroduction to it. But I must say, in, in all seriousness, that Rue in particular has always been very lovely and World of Wonder has always been very lovely um, to me, not just by winning, but just being supportive of yeah. what it was about and also being supportive when I wasn't interested in doing things. Yeah. You know, because um, they had just done a winter season and they asked and I said, um, no, I'm good. And they respected that. So that's a that's a good thing. Yeah. Rue is good people. I can attest to that personally. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the, the check cash, bitch. The check cash. <laughs> well, so. that's all we need. What do you think? What do you make of that? Because there was a little mini controversy from what I saw online about, or I think you posted something about this notion that drag queens, because everyone's a drag queen now. First of all, what do you think about that? But also... Girl, they're, they're, they're falling out of trees. Well, they're I wanna, falling I wanna, out I wanna, of fucking trees. I want you to <laughs> tell me about that. But also, there's, I guess, uh, disparity about what a performance and entertaining and what qualifies uh, as a, a drag queen's performance. Some people, I guess, are just looking fabulous these days. Thoughts? Uh, look, and uh, look, there's an art to it. And, and I'm actually looking at my phone because the, what made me laugh was the tweet. And I know this uh, Aja queen uh, from the show. And her, her tweet was, not every drag performer has to be an entertainer. So my response was just the definition of performer, which is performer, noun, yeah. a person who entertains, entertains. an audience. <laughs> That's all. Now, you can be a monkey. You can identify as a lima bean. You can be whatever <laughs> the fuck you choose or what you want. If it's your art your magic, your poetry, your fuckery. I'm responding to the stupidity in your tweet. Had she said, not every drag artist has to be in it. Well, that's, of course, yes, let's applaud, let's agree. But because you got high and went on Twitter, <laughs> I'm not allowed to correct you. And then everybody goes, well, technically it no. means fuck all the way off. Drag may be for everyone, but as they say, drag is for everybody. Fine, let it be. But so is fucking grammar. Can we work on that too, bitch? Okay, Can we thank get you. this in there? Context. What the fuck are you trying to say? So you don't have you don't have any um, problem with people identifying, uh, you know, on their resume or otherwise as drag queens without having any discernible talents. Let's say 
to sing or dance or things like that. Posting TikTok videos, things like that. TikTok video, you know, social media brings on a whole new kind of Mm -hmm. category now. I think Drag Race has proven that. Um, You know, two things that work. Youth. It's all about youth. And so if you say, oh, you need to sing, you need to dance, you need to have a con. You're old school. We don't do that anymore. Well, sure. I'd rather be old school. I'd rather have something that I can do. And it goes back to what I wanted out of this scenario. It's not to be the most followed or to be the queen of TikTok. I want people in an audience seated to come and watch my fuckery. And that's what I'm there to do. And if it's not for you, go live your fucking life as I go and live mine. And I think that's where it gets, you know, clouded for the people now. Because as you were saying before, the, you know, the, the, the cultural issues and how what we can and can't say and how everybody gets so offended because everybody wants to be liked. I don't need to be liked because yeah. I know that's just impossible. It's just impossible to be liked by everybody. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of people that I've met that I'm like, mm, I don't care for her, so I don't entertain it. I don't give a shit about Kim Kardashian at all. But that doesn't mean I'm going to spend my day on her page going, mm, you fake ass bitch who had a sex tape. Who, did, who cares? Well, maybe that means you know, so, you, you've got better things going for you than to do that. <laughs> yes, Every, everyone's got to have a fucking I, opinion I, these days where they don't have any content. So this is why there's so yeah. many more fucking opinions. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the fact that this bitch just says that every <laughs> drag, you know, performer doesn't have entertained, and then the definition. So it was a grammar. It was more a grammar thing. I think it was more than that. But you're being diplomatic. But okay. Um. <laughs> well, she had. But no. But this is the thing. She yeah. had about nine thousand tweets that night. You know, because I think she was doing like a live, live tweeting as the show was airing. Oh. And and then of course everyone's coming at me, which does not people listening it does not bother me because you're just some dumb cunt who wrote something on my page i don't care (laughs) it doesn't make any sense like oh well you she's what she's trying to say i don't give a fuck whether it's a dumb drag queen or a politician i'm gonna call you out on the stupidity of your tweet oh god um, we're probably, what are we, three hours now? Do I have to wrap up? I don't want to. I don't, we're not going to. I would want to. Let's do a four Don't you dare Netflix cut out the part series. about Kay Francis. As long as we do Kay, was it Kay Francis? And Francis. And Francis. And Francis. And Francis. And Francis. And Francis. Um, what's, what's next? What, what do you have to, to tell us? What's, what's How going on? How dare you? We what? just talked about what's next. Oh, right. Oh, shit. <laughs> It said it on my page. You gotta keep that one. No, I'm. I listen. <laughs> shit, I can't. See, you're, you're right. Canceled. I, I just canceled. I just shot myself in the foot. No, I don't care what's next. I'm not a fan, and I hope you never do anything else new because I know I won't be a, a party to it. Um, no, but aren't but, but but you got the podcast. So I'm currently doing Pit Stop, which will run for the rest of the season for season 15 of RuPaul's Drag Race, which is available on the RuPaul's Drag Race YouTube channel. And okay. I was corrected because I was calling it Pit Stop. It's called the Pit Stop, oh. uh, where you can see us recap the shows. Um, and I've got random one-offs this year. I'm taking a little break from doing my extensive touring, so I'll be doing a uh, Whistler Pride in Canada, which is a fun event. I'm also doing a wine festival in Miami because oh. what? I like to drink and have the sun. Yeah. And on March third, I'll be in the UK doing this thing with Graham Norton called Just for Laughs, which I'm looking forward to as well. And um, you know, there's other random things. This year's a little more TV. Uh, it sounds so champagne problem. Yeah. Uh, a little more TV uh, and and out there things that I normally can't do because I'm on the road. Right. So um, there's more to come. The- you know. And then, uh, then what's next after that? 
No, I After that. <laughs> no. I will you I I want you to enter into a verbal contract with me because I do I'm starting to do this with all my guests because I got two okay. years we're going into an election cycle I've got lots of videos to churn out and lots of people yes. sending me suggestions in the next two yes. years will you be in a video with me will we do a duet together go you could do whatever the fuck you want yes really yes oh okay. yes you heard Gladly. it here. You no, will? Good. No, I've got lots of ideas. I'll send you my storyboard. <laughs> I don't want any uh, ideas. Yes. No, just stick to the goddamn <laughs> no. script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, I would love to. It, you know, the crazy thing about it is I think the, the pandemic was one of those moments where so many things flourished and so much was happening. And then now we're back in the real world. We're like, where's the fucking time? Where is the time? Oh, I know. I mean, the only one with time is Paul. Everybody <laughs> else is like, what's going on? I love being what the am, brother of the am... joke. The sidekick. Honey, this is the job. <laughs> you you agreed. You just get the, the, the check clear. As long as I'm next to the booze. Can you see the booze? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we could definitely do that. And also, if you're ever out in Palm Springs, uh, yeah. you know where to find me. Absolutely. I'm out here. I'll be there. I love you and adore you. And thank you for being oh. here. I'm glad we had this little mini reunion. Well, Will thank you, be, you. And well, thank you, Paul, for making my career. I appreciate it. Oh, well, and right. I'll send you the link where I got my um, sweater. I'll send you a sweater. How's that? I thought you I'll said you were going to send address. Paul his 10%. Because that, that's not coming. <laughs> yeah. He's waiting. 10. <laughs> He's she's, waiting. Doing, she's doing good. Normally, now it's 18. 18. Oh. Don't get 25. me started. I better Don't check with started. my manager uh -oh. after this call. We'll talk. We'll All talk. right, honey. Mm -hmm. I love you. Thanks Bianca. for being on. Oh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for having me. Bye. 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 And now the show is over, girl. So thanks for listening. It's been a vibe. And damn it, don't you dare forget to subscribe. I promise next week will be ten times better than even the last. Except when it's not. She's got talent and class. No one slays more than Shio. Girl, you're truly a queen, Miss Bianca Del Rio. And that's the last.